0: You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Uh, Would you bow your heads with me as we open up with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are just, Lord, we're so humbled to be used by you. God, we're so humbled to to have the ability to come into your presence because you're a relational God. And Lord, I just pray that right here, right now in this moment, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just begin to open up our hearts and our minds, God. Whatever it is that you desire to do in this room here tonight, Father, we just ask that your will would be done. And God, we just ask especially for those precious lives that are downstairs right now getting poured into. God, we just believe that they are not only the church of tomorrow, but they're also the church of today. So God, we just pray that right here, right now, your anointing would just begin to be felt among our children downstairs, Lord Jesus. We ask your hand upon their lives in such a powerful way that it is self-evident to their teachers, to their friends, to their friend groups, to their sports groups, whatever it may be, God. We just ask that your hand would be upon them in such a mighty way that others would look to those kids and say there's something different about you, and that something different is that Jesus is the center of their hearts. So we ask this according to your precious and holy name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, Mike, if anybody comes in, uh, if you wouldn't mind just offering them those notes, Uh, just a quick side note, scheduling side note, um, next week we are going to have to pause this, I know it's crazy because it's like tonight's the first night, but next week we're going to have to pause on this because next week we're actually having a painting company in and they're going to make this room match the lobby, praise God. And so they're going to be coming in and doing that. So uh, we're going to let them work. So next week, we're going to pause the Bible study series. But I do want to just introduce the next couple topics that we're discussing. Tonight, we're talking about uh, pro- prophecy, prophetic word. And I want to be clear tonight, we're not necessarily talking about how to function in this gifting. That is going to be a series for a separate time, separate day. Tonight, our topic is having discernment revolved around this gifting. Being used in this gifting and opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to be used is going to be another series. Where we're going to be uh, talking about the five-fold ministry because prophecy fits into that. So I just wanted to be clear that um, if you came out tonight hoping for that, that's a separate conversation that I would love to have with you, but know that in the future we're going to be covering the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how we can be used in those giftings, how do we open ourselves up to be used by the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. So tonight we're going to be talking about prophecy, which I'll be explaining here in a moment. The following week, so not next week, but the week after, we're going to be diving into the topic of how do we as Christians handle doctrinal differences between us and other believers in Christ who might have a different position on a doctrine, a biblical doctrine, than we do. And I I want to be clear. What inspired this conversation is, as I mentioned, there's a video that has gone viral um, titled, Why Your Church Should Not Play Bethel or Hillsong. And some of the accusations in this video are very serious. The claims made is that Hillsong and Bethel are taking people away from Christ and leading them to hell. That is an extreme statement to make. And I want to be clear, I have doctrinal differences with Bethel and a little bit with Hillsong, But I know their doctrine, and their doctrine is not pulling people into the pits of hell. There's different doctrinal beliefs. For example, we might have a discrepancy where one denomination doesn't acknowledge the gifts of the Spirit, but they still have Jesus Christ in their hearts. They're still going to heaven. Come on, somebody. However, there are doctrinal beliefs out there such as universalism, which says whatever religion you have, that's fine. You'll get to heaven, and that belief is going to lead people to hell. And so there's a difference there. So we're going to talk about doctrinal discrepancies versus false antichrist doctrine. And so right now, in today's time, there's kind of a blend where the Christian community hasn't really defined where those lines are. We just kind of lumped it all together and said, hey, if you have a different doctrinal position than us, uh, you're a false prophet. That's not true. And so we're going to be addressing that in the next couple of weeks. And then lastly, we're going to be um, addressing a very sensitive topic Um, Anything that deals with sexuality is sensitive in nature because sexuality is sacred. Come on, somebody. And so we're going to be discussing, though, the topic of homosexuality. And the reason why we're going to be discussing this is because in our sermon series in March, we're going to be talking about the sanctity of life. We're going to be talking about the sanctity of humankind on Sundays, which means we're going to address um, the pro-life stance that we take. And one of the testimonies that we're going to have come in, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tony McFadden. Um, she is an incredible individual. Uh, she's going to be coming in and speaking on March 14th. This is somebody who, um, she's a, a phenomenal speaker, but she's had an abortion. And God brought her out of that. Now she has four beautiful children, awesome husband, and God has restored her. But she talks about her experience in that. So she's going to be sharing. But I say all that to say that when we talk about the sanctity of, of how God has created us, we have to talk about the sanctity of sexuality. And homosexuality has been wildly accepted in churches across America. And friends, we're just going to be looking into what the Bible has to say not a political stance because there's a higher authority than a political party amen and that's the authority of God and we're going to be talking about how God would have us address this topic so tonight let's um let's dive in a couple months ago what happened right in the weeks leading up to the election the circus election of 2020 into 2021 it seemed like every time I opened up my email, I was getting questions asked about, Pastor, what, is, what, is, what are your thoughts about this prophet and what they've said? And some prophets, and I'm just going to be very bluntly honest um, tonight. Is that okay with you? No political correctness is going to be here tonight. Just a warning. So buckle up, buttercup. Uh, so, Um, In the months and weeks leading up to the election, there were prophets who came out who said, I have seen the vision. Donald Trump will be the next president. That is going to happen. There were other prophets who said he is not going to get elected, and on the election night, China is going to overtake our government buildings. And I also heard doom and gloom, Uh, more so than that, I heard somebody saying, I can't believe that that somebody who is a self-proclaimed prophet would say this, but he said, I have seen and the rapture will happen on election night. And so the list just goes on and on. And so what are we as the church to do with all of this? How are we supposed to explain what is happening? And ultimately, the topic in which I'm referring to is discernment. We have got to have discernment in this area, especially because, and I'm going to be getting to this later, but I do want to start out tonight by saying I'm not going to be bashing the gift of prophecy tonight. I'm going to be talking about having discernment with it. Prophecy is biblical. It is something that God wants to utilize in the church of today. Come on, somebody. And when done right, it brings about incredible things in and through churches But I first want to talk about having discernment because that seems to be the need that we must have. Is this making sense? So in the midst of all of these prophetic words, I didn't hear the question asked, is this prophetic word biblical? Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 22 says this, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true. That is a message that the Lord has not spoken. There's not, that's not a multiple choice response, right? Don't you just appreciate how matter of fact the Word of God is? Our main topic, as I mentioned, is discernment, or in this case, in some areas, sometimes we lack discernment. So what is discernment? What am I referring to whenever I use that word? This word is uh, derived from Greek, uh, dikirono, which can be found in two New Testament biblical passages, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, and Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. And in its purest meaning, decairono uh, means this, discernment. The reason why we get the, the word discernment from this is because it means this, the ability to judge and validate that something is of God and provided by God. That in its purest form is what I'm talking about tonight. When I say discernment, it means that we are able to judge and say that this is a word from God by God. Some would also say, and this is kind of a lesser value to the word, but still can stand true, that discernment is the ability to think biblically. Discernment is the ability to think biblically. My first point with you tonight is this, we need discernment and we are called to have discernment. We need discernment and we are called to have discernment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 through 22 says this, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all. Hold on to what is good. And reject every kind of evil. And if you would like to turn in your Bibles with me to that very verse, because we're going to be jumping back to it a couple times, that's First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22. So the first fill in the blank on those sheets that you have is this: Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. As I mentioned earlier, that's not why we're here tonight. We're not here to tear down the gift of prophecy and disregard prophecy as a whole. We're not here to shame people that have been prophetic and may have come up short in their prophetic word. And I just want to be clear on that, that sometimes can we just acknowledge here tonight that we make mistakes? Is that okay? turn to your neighbor and say, you've messed up sometimes. Y'all are enjoying that a little bit too much. But the reality is, is that some individuals who claim To have a prophetic message and it doesn't come to pass, it doesn't mean that their heart had ill will. It doesn't mean that they were meaning to deceive people and that that was their heart's intent. Some people, honestly, they're still getting used to being used by the Spirit and they might make a mistake. And we as the body of Christ have to be prepared to, yes, one, hold them accountable, but two, offer grace. Right, church? to offer grace. And I remember in, when I was on a mission trip to Ireland, and I'll be referring to this mission trip a couple times, but um, it was so incredible how the church in Ireland, St. Patrick, uh, just flowed in the gifts of the Spirit. And therefore, he left this legacy in Ireland where the churches desire the gifts of the Spirit like I have never seen in any culture before. And so being over there was really cool. And they had a prophetic night, a night where man, they just kind of opened up and said, what is the Lord laying on your heart? And I'll get more to the details in that. But I remember there was just such an openness for this gift to be used in the the church and through the church. And I remember talking to the pastor after this and I said, can I just tell you, that was just awesome. That That was just so comfortable to be in a service where it was like, hey, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, as long as it's in line with scripture, let's do it. And I remember he looked at me And he said, you know, in your American culture, and I immediately get defensive. I'm like, don't you talk about my America. And so I step back and he goes, in your American culture, he said, I just feel like you guys are so quick to throw the Bible out the door. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I feel like if somebody gets a prophetic word that you know you guys are kind of ready to just cut them out of the church. He goes, but pastor, can I be honest? I've heard enough sermons where the sermon that was being preached didn't match what the original text was intended for, but I don't throw out my Bible. So why is it that whenever somebody messes up in their gifting that we throw out the Holy Spirit? And I remember taking that and I said, you know what? You've got a point. And so, friends, I just want to be clear tonight that there's two different categories that we're talking about. We're talking about some people who they truly believe that they were functioning the gift of the Holy Spirit, but they messed up. They got wrong. Their flesh stepped in front of them, and that happens. And we've got to be willing to bring correction absolutely, but also offer grace. And on the flip side, there are individuals out there, Scripture is clear on this, where they do have uh, ill will towards the church where they do hope to deceive and discernment needs to come into play in both of these areas why so that the gift of prophecy can flow freely and biblically in the church is this making sense awesome the gift of prophecy is biblical and applicable in today's church we'll discuss this more towards the end of tonight's study but i want to start out by just being clear This is a beautiful and biblical gift that we're discussing. And what we're discussing is how to steward this gift well. In the future, as I already mentioned, but just want to reiterate, we're going to focus on I mean, how can I open up my life so that the Holy Spirit can move me in this way to where I can develop this gift and He can develop this gift in me and I can be used this way? We'll discuss that in the future, but tonight we're talking about discernment. B, discernment is the responsibility of every Christian discernment is the responsibility of every Christian. It's not just something that we look to for church leadership. If we bear the title Christian, it is assumed that we are trying to practice discernment in all areas of our lives. Paul in, in Acts uh, eleven seventeen 17, I want to say, Paul is, is talking to, uh, to the body of Christ and he's speaking to us and challenging us to test all that we hear. And I'm going to get to that scripture in a moment and kind of elaborate on the fact that discernment is supposed to be a part of every Christian's life. And we'll jump back to that in a second. Uh, letter C, testing a prophetic word is a healthy and biblical practice. Testing a prophetic word is a healthy and biblical practice. No one is above testing. Amen, church? If there's a person that becomes offended because their word is not immediately accepted, that should be sending off red flags to us. That person is not exemplifying one of the primary characteristics of a prophet, which is this they yield to the authority of God in scripture. That's a true characteristic, that's a true behavior of somebody who is functioning and operating in the gifts of prophecy is that their life exemplifies that they fall under the authority of God and they certainly fall under the authority of Scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John is warning the church to be aware that there are not only people being innocently misguided, but there are also people who are being deliberately deceitful false prophets. So how do, we, how do we tell the difference between these two categories? Scripture, test all spirits. We need discernment because without discernment, Christians are at risk of being tossed around and carried away to ungodly places. And what I mean by that is if we're carried away To a place that isn't biblical or where God has led us, that's an ungodly place to be in. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 says this, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by the wind of every doctrine or by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. The reality is, is that having discernment always provides a pathway to biblical stability in our lives. I hope by this point that we're gaining the sense that we need discernment. Amen, church? And if we were to honestly grade the Christian church as a whole on this scale by our behaviors over the past four years... I believe that we would score very low. Well, pastor, what makes you say that? The reason why I believe that the church of today is lacking in discernment is because over the past four years, through all the political turmoil, the church, we've gotten used to reacting. In different situations, our immediate instinct is outrage and offense, and we react when in reality, that's a fleshly, easy thing to do, but discernment takes spiritual maturity. Is this making sense, church? To have discernment in this specific instance is to test a prophetic word like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22. So how do we do that? How do we test a prophetic word? Test prophetic words by asking the following questions. First is this, does it align with God's word? Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says this, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonia. They received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. Now I want to talk about what Paul just said. Paul gave a message to the body of Christ in this area. And as a result, what did they do? They, how did they test it? Paul, in that moment, was exemplifying one of the primary characteristics of a true prophet. He was coming under the authority of God. He was coming under the authority of Scripture in this instance. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Paul didn't get offended that they didn't take him at his word. As a matter of fact, he said, you're checking what I'm saying by immediately going to Scripture and making sure that there's a biblical reference for what I'm saying. And he commends them for doing this. And this isn't a guideline just for this group of people. This is a guideline for the church. That when we hear a word, that we not only wait on it, but our instinct is to immediately go to Scripture and find a parallel between Scripture and what was just said. When a prophetic word aligns with God's word, it means that I can find a Scripture passage that confirms what a person is stating. It means that the prophetic word does not do things that God's word says not to. That sounds basic, right? A prophetic word is not telling us to do things that God's word says not to. But can I give you a short example of this little reality or this little mistake of not going to God's word, how this came to light in somebody's life that I know? We were gathered around at a, at a missions convention and There was an individual there who was operating in this gift of prophecy, and sometimes he was on, sometimes he wasn't. And he came up to her, and he began to prophesy over her life, and he said, you know, God has a man for you, and you are to to marry this man, and and he is going to be the foundation of your life, And, and he just began to speak this. But there's one problem. She was already married. she got a divorce and began to follow a man that was pursuing her from the workplace. And friends, I know that this sounds so basic. There's no scriptural reference for breaking a covenant in marriage in this manner. And it sounds so basic, right? And yet it's an area that we sometimes either we don't talk about or we don't disciple those who are new in Christ, these basic fundamentals of making sure that scripture validates what is being said. And another area that I just want to refer to that I just have some cautions with is there are many prophetic words about people being taken up to heaven and spending time in heaven, and God sending them back down to earth to tell everybody about how awesome heaven is. And I'm not discounting that. I am saying that we should have caution with this. Um, Do you remember the, the movie years ago that came out, Heaven is for Real? Awesome movie, very interesting, but I don't think that we should hold that movie as biblical truth we should take it with a grain of salt and move forward. And the reason why I say this is because recently there's been another, uh, just an individual that I've been asked questions about what I think about this person's ministry because this person has a lot of material out there where they are saying, I'm, I'm going to heaven every a, a couple of days and I'm coming back to, to tell you what, what heaven is like. And a part of the reason why I have just a cautiousness about this is, um, one, I can't test somebody's experience according to Scripture, unless it's in Scripture. And there are a few accounts where people are taken up to heaven. But some, something that always keeps me kind of at bay whenever I hear a, a message about having you know, visions of heaven and so on and so forth is, is Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 where he talks about, he says, I've been given this heavenly vision, it was awesome, the Lord showed me, and I believe that happened in Paul's life. But Paul says this, I can't tell you about it. And he begins to say how he he can't reveal these things to us yet. And my only question is this, whenever I hear somebody Who comes forward and says, you know, I've had this vision of heaven and so on and so forth, and I must tell people, and that's kind of what's propelling their ministry. I just have caution because the question that comes to mind is, if Paul wasn't allowed to discuss it, what gives this person permission to discuss it? Thinking about heaven, there's nothing wrong with that. Heaven is biblical, but here's here's what I'm saying, friends. I take it with a grain of salt, And I don't treat it as biblical truth because there's only one thing that's biblical truth, and that's biblical truth. One of my concerns with teachings that are focused on this is I've seen too many people who become distracted by heaven that they forget to accomplish what God has called them to accomplish here and now. And when I hear messages about heaven being focused around materialistic things that await us in eternity... I'm just like, we're kind of missing the point there because the point of heaven isn't heaven. The point of heaven is Jesus. The point of heaven is that I get to experience what Adam did before the fall, where it says that Adam and God walked hand in hand in the coolness of the evening. I can't wait for that that you and I get to walk alongside God and be reunited, and everything that was turned upside down is turned right side up, and we have a relationship where we can physically see Christ. What is that going to be? That's heaven. Everything else is a bonus (laughs) because God's just that good. Everything else and being reunited with with those who maybe we have, you know, family members who were Christ followers and they've gone being reunited. That's a bonus. That's awesome. A big mansion, sure, I'll take one. That's a bonus. But that's not the point. And when there's messages given where it's kind of teaching us that the whole point of heaven is what you have can't help but reflect on what Paul said where he said, I I can't tell you what I saw, but I can say this, that it's good. And sometimes church, verses like that, they have to be enough for us. Amen? Prophecy comes under the authority of Scripture. Prophecy is not the higher authority Scripture is. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, people heard what Paul had preached. And I'm jumping back to this verse, as I stated earlier. People heard what Paul preached, and they tested it according to Scripture and Paul the Apostle. And he confirms that this is good. True prophecy is under and tested by and held accountable to Scripture. and must, therefore, never contradict Scripture. There isn't a single example of prophecy being held above Scripture or added to Scripture, but it's the opposite. Scripture warns us what happens when we add to Scripture. Revelation, it's not a multiple choice answer. It says if you try and add on to this Scripture that there is an eternal judgment that you have to fear and answer to. The doctrine of Christ is and I do want to just say this, the doctrine of Christ does not fear inquiry. It does not fear being searched and challenged. Come on, somebody. I am so thankful that what I believe does not say, don't you question this. You know that there are other religions out there that they say that. If you question this, you're out of the fellowship. And then we have Paul here, He was like, you heard a prophetic message from me? Question it according to God. Question it to Scripture, and we're challenged in this manner. And once again, I feel like it's a foundational, fundamental principle that we acknowledge that prophecy is not the higher authority. And that might seem obvious to some, but can I remind us of Joseph Smith? Where Joseph Smith said, I've received a new revelation. My feelings exactly. (laughs) And what was happening in that moment was this revelation was held above Scripture. Nothing can be held like that can be held above Scripture. Amen? Other questions that we can ask, does the prophetic word disrupt the body of Christ and cause confusion? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says this, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all of the congregations of the Lord's people. God brings about peace. Now, I will say this, prophetic messages sometimes confuse us, and that's okay. And sometimes with prophetic words, There's scripture validates it, but it's like, pastor, what what do I do now? We have to wait on it. And that's okay, too. That's a part of testing out scripture. But I just want to, once again, just offer caution to the room that when there's a prophetic word that is spoken that causes division in a church to the point to where a church is about to split, you know that this has happened. Church splits have happened over this. That's a part of why we're talking about it tonight. Because I believe that God has a better way. I don't see it as a biblical um, practice for church splits to happen. Does the prophetic word disrupt the body of Christ and cause confusion? Another question to ask is this What is the prophetic word's focus? What is the point in what I'm hearing? When I'm hearing, is it drawing me to do what God has called me to do? Is it building up the body of Christ and challenging us with biblical principles to go into all the earth and and preach the word, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to reach the lost, to, to feed the poor? Or is it revolved around a man? And rather than a heavenly kingdom, is it revolved around a worldly kingdom? Does it challenge us to become more like Christ? Or is it a distraction that takes our focus away from these things? Does the prophetic message align with the character of God? Some examples of God's character, which how many of you know that we could sit here for quite some time talking about the character of God? God is infinite. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. God's character, God never changes. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. God is self sufficient. John chapter 5, verse 26. God is just. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. Does the prophetic message align with the character of God? Based off of that question, I also want to say that um, God is a God of justice. And sometimes when we hear a prophetic word that is challenging because it talks about God being a God of justice, let's be honest, we don't like hearing that. But that doesn't mean that it's not a biblical message. My third point is this, the gift of prophecy is biblical and necessary for today. It's necessary for today. I understand that there's other doctrines out in the world around us that, that teach that the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't necessary for today. And one of the foundational arguments that I have with this is, what about the mission of God has changed so much that I don't need the Holy Spirit? What about the mission of God has changed to where I don't need prophetic word to sit there and confirm that I'm on the path that God has put before me. What about the mission of God? Go and reach the world? Are you kidding me? Can you imagine how the disciples felt in that moment? You think that you've had a bad day. You think that you've received impossible tasks. Imagine standing before the Savior and he says, okay, I'm leaving you for a moment. It's it's up to you. Go and reach the world and do everything that I've been doing. But then he offers these beautiful, encouraging words and begins to tell the disciples, I want you to go to a place and you're going to wait in the upper room and my spirit is going to come upon you and it's going to empower you in ways that you never could have imagined. And I look around us today, the mission of God hasn't changed church. Therefore, I still need his Holy Spirit. I still need the gifts of the Holy Spirit alive and active and more so than me, we need these gifts as the body of Christ to accomplish the task that would otherwise be merely impossible without His Holy Spirit. In order for us to accomplish what God has called us to, we need this gifts and all gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're biblical. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There goes the argument that prophecy is only for the men. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Throughout Paul's writings, he discusses the use in the, use in the gift of prophecy. If you want to get really technical, we have a book called Revelation. And we're currently living in it. We're living in a prophetic time. We're living in a time when we're seeing prophecy that was spoken a few thousand years ago is coming to life in front of us. 1 Thessalonians, back to that popular verse that I said we're going to be jumping around. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. This this scripture is implying and is teaching to us that when we reject the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we're quenching the third person of the Trinity. That we're dissecting and causing a divide in the third person of the Trinity. Paul actually says that to reject the gift of prophecy and hold it with contempt is to quench the third person of the Trinity. You don't have to turn to this next verse, but I'll read it anyway. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 through 21 gives a beautiful description that validates Paul stating that to block out prophecy is to quench the Holy Spirit says this, above all you must understand that no Prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy and I love this for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human here it is, friends, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? The way that we see the Trinity working in that, the way that we see the Trinity, the relationship, how the Holy Spirit carries the message, God speaks it. We can hear these things because we have Jesus in our hearts and there's this beautiful harmony between the Trinity whenever we hear a prophetic message. Second Peter teaches us this principle, which is your next fill in the blank. The Holy Spirit carries the prophetic word and delivers it through human means. It is the Holy Spirit that carries the prophetic word and delivers it through the human means. I heard it explained to me one time like this. Um, you guys remember when we had house phones? Wasn't that cool? What a time. Still do, right? Because you get better rates if you get the whole package deal, right? Stinking Comcast. It's <laughs> so with this, I heard it said one time that it's kind of like the Holy Spirit acts like the telephone line to deliver the message between people. Interesting analogy. Prophetic messages are from God and the Holy Spirit delivers them to us. When prophecy, uh, Pastor Caroline Tennant said this, when prophecy is not despised, it can provide stability, firmness. In confirmation and strength in the body of Christ. How does prophecy provide stability, firmness, and confirmation? Those that function in this gifting today provide insight and direction to the body of Christ. God wants us to walk with confidence knowing that we are heading in the right direction. Can I just tell you how many times God has showed up like this in my life? asking for his direction, and through my devotional life, you know, reading about these godly men who are setting out on journeys and venturing into new seasons, Joshua being one of them, and I remember reading scripture and saying, God, you know, I feel like, especially when I was a youth pastor, I said, God, I feel like you're leading me out of this season. I feel like this season is coming to an end, and that you are calling me to be a lead pastor, which at the time I just said, no, like many of you, he's too young. And I remember sitting there and going, God, you must be mistaken. And um, I asked him, I said, you know, God, would you confirm this? And then I go on, you know, uh, uh, local inner city missions trips and just kept feeling like the Holy Spirit was going to speak to me that night. It wasn't long until somebody came up and said, you know, your season in youth ministry is coming to an end. They had no idea. I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't even told my wife. And this person's coming up to me and saying, and and I looked at them and I said, what makes you say that? I don't know. The Lord just wanted me to tell you. Well, tell the Lord I said thanks. <laughs> but that's how it is when we experience this gift as the body of Christ. It's kind of like God comes alongside of you, puts his arm around you, and says, you know what, bud? You're on the right path. It's like he just kind of gives us this little hug and says, I want you to know that the direction that you're feeling, your heart pulling you towards, yeah, that's the direction that I want you to go. And it's this beautiful confirmation and affirmation that, yes, God, not that you needed to do this, but you're just that good. Prophecy often affirms what we're already hearing from God and strengthens us to move forward. All of these points that I've just mentioned and examples are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 3 that says this. But those who prophesy or are speaking to people, they are giving them strength, encouragement, and comfort. It's just what happens as a result when the beautiful gift of prophecy is done biblically. Other side notes to mention is this, Jesus functioned in this gifting. Matthew chapter 13, actually refers to Jesus as a prophet. Now we would understand that that was a gifting that he functioned in and that wasn't uh, who he was because I don't know many prophets who came and spoke like the way that Jesus did. I don't know any other prophets that said, nobody comes to the Father but through me. And you'll hear other religions, and this is an attack on our belief system where they'll say, Uh, especially um, Islam. Islam says, you know, Jesus, he was a really good guy. And you'll even see different marketing techniques that Islam is using in America um, to bring Christians over. Uh, For example, I, I, I was driving by a mosque the other day and it said, we celebrate Jesus. Oh, that's new. And looking in, it's, it's kind of this marketing scheme to get Christians to come over and go, hey, we're kind of the same. And it works. And so I just want to be clear that although Jesus was referred to as a prophet, it's because he functioned in this gifting, he was much more than a prophet. He was the son of God. That's why he made bold statements such as, nobody comes to the Father. Muhammad never said that. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. We could go on with other examples, but for the sake of time, we'll hang out on that one. And I also want to say this, that, that prophecy doesn't have to be this, this huge moment in a Sunday morning church service prophecy there's been some people in my life can I can I be honest with you they didn't even know that they were prophesying to me and I'm just like if you only knew what you just confirmed that God is doing in my life and they didn't come up to me and they didn't you know get in my ear and go thus saith the Lord And there's a time and place where that happens, and that's cool, that's awesome, it lets us know that the message that is about to be said is coming from God, as we just learned tonight, that's scriptural, but that's not the exclusive method in which this gift operates. Amen, church? Prophecy is meant to be this kind of natural part of who we are, where we walk up to another person and say, "I, I just want you to know that the Lord put this on my heart. And just like a switch, that gift is activated as you just begin to speak what you believe God wants them to hear. No. One of the most comfortable examples of this is back to what I was going to say in regards to Ireland. I said I'd be mentioning this and I want to hold true to that. When I was in Ireland, we had this, like I said, prophetic night. And at first, I got to be honest, um, I take my role as the shepherd very seriously. Why? Because scripture says that I get this awesome privilege that some of you aren't going to experience, but I sure am, where I get judged more harshly. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) And so I take my role as shepherd very seriously, where I'm like, hey, false prophet, let's just go Old Testament on them and take care of that outback. And I'm on this missions trip and one of the Irish pastors comes up to me and he goes, "We're having prophecy night tonight." And my you know, my guard immediately goes up. I'm like, "All right, tell me what that means." And he and I began talking back and forth because I have teenagers that I brought over to this country and I am not going to let just anybody speak into their lives. Teens are already dealing with enough voices. And so I'm like, I want you to tell me how this service is going to go tonight. Because if it's not going to go in a biblical direction, then our crew's going to wait back at the house for you. And he began to quote biblical scriptures. And I love that he said, now pastor, things aren't going to get weird. (laughs) Step one, And then we kind of grinned, and I said, doesn't the supernatural always get weird? He goes, you got me there. (laughs) It certainly isn't normal. It's supernatural. Anyways. Long story short, it was an incredible life-changing night where these students got to experience the biblical, beautiful gift of prophecy. Prophecy. And people began to pray over our groups before we went into a week of ministry and working in very rough areas and just began to speak into some of the teens' lives. And they said, you know, I just want you to know that God, God just wants you to know this or whatever it may have been and just weeping around the altar. As God just began to give each and every one of the students that I felt like I was shepherding at the time. Obviously, Jesus is their shepherd but I felt like I was shepherding at the time, and he just began to give them little love hugs, just letting them know that you're here for a purpose. In some individuals, the struggles that they were dealing with back home got brought up around the altar, and they dealt with them with God in that moment, and it was beautiful, but one of the most beautiful parts of the night that I believe will forever be ingrained in my memory is before the service started, the pastor did something sneaky, and he said, I want every single one of you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them what you believe God sees in them. I want you to turn, he says this, I want you to turn to the people next to you, and I want you to tell them what you believe God sees in them. One by one, teens are you know, looking at each other and leaders are looking at each other and like, I just want you to know that God's, I just see that you are so kind and loving and God is going to use that in your life. And I just want you. and it just starts happening. And as the room starts, 30 seconds goes by, the room starts to, to quiet down and the pastor just kind of grins and he goes, that's prophecy. It's just letting somebody else know what, what you believe God sees in their life. And what God is going to do. And sometimes church, in the church of America, we get so freaked out by these giftings. And we hold them to this crazy high pedestal where it's like, I must go up to that person and say, thus saith the Lord. And get the. And it can be done more natural. We're not bound to methods. And I just want to encourage you. If you're here tonight and you've been skeptical about the gift of prophecy, can I challenge you to just make it a point over the next couple months to study the book of Acts study the book of Acts, ask questions, and be open to what the Holy Spirit would speak in your life. Because I believe that there's coming a day, and we've already seen it here at this church, and I'm going to be closing here in a minute, where we've already begun to see it this church where I believe that people are going to come to the point to where they're done with counterfeit Christianity. I've seen it with my own eyes, with a younger generation that says, I want something real. And Christianity, without the gifts of the Spirit, is just a part of the story. I want the whole story. And I've seen the way that the gifts of the Spirit can impact a generation, And how excited the younger generation gets about the gifts of the Spirit. And I say that to say that I believe that there's coming a divide in the church of America someday. I believe that this is a prophetic word now. Where the divide is going to be even greater. Between churches that affirm the gifts of the Holy Spirit and churches that don't. And I believe that there's going to be a people that are looking for the authentic gifts of the Holy Spirit because they want what's real. And we as the church have got to be ready for that. And I believe that in God's timing that this is going to be a house that is known for the gifts of the Spirit. And it doesn't have to get crazy. Crazy is unbiblical. Supernatural is biblical and awesome. And I believe that's what God wants to do here, which is another part of the reason why we're having this conversation tonight. One of the most interesting things about the word prophet is that one of the primary definitions in the Old Testament is this, that prophet means seer. And I find it interesting because there's an interesting parallel between this definition and where we are as the body of Christ today. For example, the church of today is suffering under great lack of seeing. Could it be that because there is a great resistance to the gift of prophecy, the church is flying blind? I find it interesting that the very definition of prophet is seer, and in many ways it feels like the church in America that we're blind. And I don't find it coincidence it seems that I don't mean to bash other churches. We need to keep them in prayer and pray that the gifts of the Spirit are worked out in every church of America. Amen? But I don't find it coincidence that in many ways we've taken the gifts of prophecy and put it in the back door, the back closet of the church, and it seems like we're flying blind. On your papers, I would encourage you, on the second page, there's a reference there, Six Biblical Facts About Prophecy. I'm not going to read through them tonight, but I would encourage you to check them out in your devotional life. These are from the Assemblies of God Apostles and Prophets Positional Papers, which you can find on the website listed there, ag.org. I would encourage you to find out that's our doctrine and belief system as the Assemblies of God. It can. this website will go more thoroughly into the gift of prophecy. I would encourage you, if this is a topic that you want to study more in depth, that you want to learn more about, um, I would encourage you to um, check out this website. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh, or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.